It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. And just after 5 o'clock, it is time for Not My Beat. Today's top story, from the perspective of someone who's there. You are looking live. This just in. Not My Beat. It's not a Monday, but it is our first show of the week, which means we welcome in our good friend Michael Phillips. Michael, Happy New Year. Hey, we did it. We made it. 2024, uh, we made it to the end of the season. Uh, we pat ourselves on the back. We did it, man. We did, um, although I will say um, our show has included a call for Jake Fromm today. So can I would like to go back. Well, uh, you may not like this segment then, right? I mean, like, I, I'm i going to go hard that, that it's important to lose and it's important to get this draft pick and uh, – I mean, there there would be few better ways to do that than let's see some Jake Fromm. That's at least like a cogent way of going about it. It is admitting that Jake <laughs> Fromm is the worst quarterback option in terms of winning. No, Michael, we had a call saying we should play the commander should play Jake Fromm to find out in case he's the next Kurt Warner or Tom Brady. Oh no! Oh no! 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 Oh, I I feel bad for even moderately associating with that take. Uh oh. So, so can we go back to 2023 or what? What's the, what's the deal here? Um, well, catch, catch you next year. This one, this one, this one's already. Yeah, there, it's yeah. just feel like the was the the meme with the Simpsons character where the dude walks in, put his hat on, puts it right back out, and leaves. That's that's what I felt like in that, that first hour of the show and that fielding Oof. that phone call. Um, all right. In all seriousness, though, like, how definitive are you ready to be on? I mean, you. I feel like you've kind of been there uh, the last couple of weeks, but. Like, what did Sam Howell show you on Sunday, and what is that? What effect does that have on the franchise? I, I think Sam Howell will be on this roster next year. I don't. I just don't think there's a ton of trade value there that you could mine, and you're not going to cut him. He's a young quarterback who has shown talent, and this is not a Sam Howell comment, Craig. This is a roster comment. There are a lot of players on this team that we just don't know if they're any good or not. Um, and that is because they have not been coached well this year. They have not been schemed well this year. Uh, I think that speaks for itself. I don't think I have to back up that assertion, right? But, you know, if you're talking about, you know, Sam Howell, look, he, he has not earned the right to be QB1 next year going into the year. I think even he would tell you that after the way the season has gone. But I think it would be an equally big mistake to say, well, this kid has proven he can never play in the NFL or something outrageous like that. We don't know that. We, we, you know, we, we need to see what he can do with, uh, with, with a competent offensive line, a year of growth. Um, you know, there, there, it's not hard to look back and find examples. Kirk Cousins is certainly one. Guys who did not look like NFL quarterbacks in their first calendar year of playing then ended up looking like NFL quarterbacks. That could be him. Uh, the, the irresponsible thing to do would be to say that might be him. So let's continue to build a franchise around him. Now, no, you got to keep looking elsewhere. Uh, but I have no objections to keeping him around. Yeah, I think that's really well put. And like the guy that Logan and I have been using on on our pod is Jalen Hurts. Um, was not particularly impressive. They won anyway because everything around him was so good in Philadelphia. But like that allowed Jalen to grow into the guy that he is. That golf in Detroit, uh, very similarly, like they've they've done a good job of creating an environment that's allowed him to almost like get the benefits of sitting a year, like Mahomes did. Uh, without actually sitting. We're like, you're out there, you're getting information, but you're not getting so much that you overload and overheat in the way that Sam did this year because they were throwing the ball 50 times a game. Um, 
that kind of begs the question then, and this is a question I probably will ask you uh, multiple times and we'll have full on discussions about it philosophically over the next four months. But like, then what's the bar for the next guy? Like if Sam Howell is some talented, but not quite good enough quarterback uh, who you anticipate having around as a backup, you need to draft a guy who's obviously better than that. So what happens if you look at Jaden Daniels and Drake may and, and whoever else, and you go like, I don't know if any of those guys are any better. Like, how do you how do you approach this quarterback position, or are you in kind of the? They might not be, but we better find out and take a flyer camp. Yeah, right. And and so you talk about you're not going to be in this position probably again for the next five years, right? Unless there's some kind of trade, you know, Bears situation where you end up back here through some good luck. Um, I, I don't think I'm overly optimistic or anything. I just don't think they'll be in this position again for a while. You know, it's statistically speaking. It's hard to be this bad, and certainly a new coaching staff, new energy is going to provide some amount of lift. This isn't Carolina. They're not in a doom spin cycle here. Uh, you know, even if they have a bad year next year, it's far more likely a bad year looks like seven than it looks like four. Um, so you, you need to be very careful about what you do here, knowing you may not be in this position again. Uh, for a while or for your entire tenure if you're the next coach, right? And Kyle Shanahan has talked about that before, and kind of that, that was the, the impetus of the Trey Lance swing, right? Like, this is my chance to get a, a highly regarded quarterback. I need to take advantage of having that opportunity, regardless of whether it pans out or not. I, I don't know that I fully agree with that, but it's certainly a legitimate school of thought here. Um, I, there's two ways to go here, right? You try to find an elite quarterback and then everything else takes care of itself. Look at the Kansas City Chiefs, obviously. They stink at several major offensive skill positions, and yet Patrick Mahomes covers it up very nicely. Joe Burrow covered over Cincinnati's flaws for a long time because he's that dude, right? So you, that's the cheat code. You get that and you're good to go. There's, there's another way to do it, which is you, you build a great roster, you plug in a guy, you let him develop, let him learn, let him grow. That option's available to you as well. You could trade down. You could take a, you could take a left tackle. You could take Marvin Harrison Jr. There's there's lots of foundational pieces you can get out of this pick and out of a, a top five situation. Uh, the salary cap space is there. You can go about. It. You you would view that as the hard way, so to speak, because it, it doesn't involve the shortcut. But if you do it right, that's probably also the more consistent way. If you bring in a good general manager, a good coach, you give them good pieces to build with you're probably more likely to have long-term success that way than rolling the dice. But when you roll the dice, you might just go ahead and skip to the final space on the board, and that's pretty cool too. Right. You pass go and you collect $200, which is yeah. which is nice. Uh, Michael Phillips, 910, the fan down in Richmond, uh, writing for the Washington Times as well. Of course, covering the commanders with us weekly here on the Hoffman Show. Um, there's starting to be a lot of names that are bantied about. Standing did a whole article on it. I know Kimes mentioned a bunch. Nikki wrote something for the Post um, with a list of like head coaching candidates. As you've made your way through your list and you've started to compile uh, a favorites list, are there any either on the executive or the coaching side that have jumped out to you is either particularly interesting or like definitive favorites i mean I, obviously with adam peters in the building it was hard not to think about it this weekend right like that not to say he's he's the favorite or anything i, I think san francisco will do what they need to do to keep him around but uh, you know, I, I actually went over the 49ers locker room side they've got a player uh from richmond uh, cleveland farrell uh who's one of their pass rushers and we were chatting for a while and just just 
so impressed by how that organization works top to bottom. Uh, so, you know, you couldn't you couldn't go wrong there. I, I don't think he'll be available, but I, I think he'd be a slam dunk, of course. For whatever it's uh, worth, I, I agree with you. I think they'll wind up. I mean, they actually already did the first step, which is they promoted yeah. John Lynch to team president. They'll just yep. name Peters the GM and. Um, Lynch is a bit of a figurehead uh, in some ways anyway. Um, so Peters, I think, I think don't get your Adam Peters hopes up. is what I would tell anybody, not just in Washington, but anybody anywhere. I think that's, uh, that's very correct and very astute. Uh, I agree with that as well. Uh, I, I would say I'm less interested in names and more interested in structure um, simply because there's not one definitive way to play this. Right. I mean, uh, you know, we probably think we probably think I, there's a phrase for you. Um, you know, we, what we know of Josh Harris and the way he runs teams is he's probably going to empower a general manager and be big on the personnel side and the analytics side. That doesn't mean he's necessarily guaranteed to do that though. Right. I mean, if you can get a Harbaugh, the structure looks differently than if you can't get a Harbaugh. Right. And, and if you, if you decide that's the way to go, um, there are different ways to do the GM structures with, VPs of player personnel with team presidents who were involved. You know, you mentioned John Lynch, a guy who's kind of involved, but not entirely involved in that side of the building, but had the title for a while. Um, I find the, the structure discussion to be almost as fascinating as the names themselves, because it speaks to how ownership views this, but also how they see the best candidates available and how they fit into these different jobs. Definitely. So there's a name that's been bantied about a lot, uh, Don Apon, which is a name I heard a couple yep. weeks ago. And it, Nikki Javala, I think, had the most detailed reporting on a potential role for her, um, which would be like an executive vice president of football operations. What do you think of her specifically? And it's really like, I mean, her skill set, I don't know how, how familiar you are with Don Apon, if you have a good file on her, by all means, unloaded on our audience. <laughs> but like she comes from the like she's worked for teams before, but she's currently like one of the top lieutenants to Roger Goodell at the NFL league's office uh, or the NFL league office and for an ownership group that is coming from outside the league. Like I think that's pretty intriguing. And, and so what, what would you make of that structure and of her specifically as kind of someone who knows the, the, her way around the NFL? Yeah. And, and you know, you, you, you nailed it, right. That league knowledge is very impressive here. And uh, for a group that uh, certainly uh, has aspirations of being thought of as, the Steelers, the 49ers, the Ravens, kind of one of those foundational teams, uh, the, the chance to, to, you know, put, put a cornerstone in there. Uh, she obviously knows who's who around the league as well. Um, so you're not just picking her, you're, you're kind of grabbing a big staff as well around her, which, it, which is very appealing, obviously. Um, your downsides, right? She's been with the league now for almost seven years, I believe, uh, you know, has, has been out of the game in that day-to-day sense for a little while. I don't think that's a reason she couldn't do the job. I just think that's something that needs to be put on the table here, right? The league has changed immensely in the last seven years. She's followed that, obviously, being, being right. with the league, but but not in that day-to-day with the team. Um, doesn't have any of those, like, was in a slam-dunk situation, right, where you talk about, like, young guys in Philly, young guys in Baltimore, like, they've seen it done at the highest level. Um, was with Belichick. For, for a minute and a half there. Um, I, I think that's intriguing. I don't think Bill Belichick's going to be the coach here, uh, but that, that's not the way I see it shaking out. But certainly having a Rolodex like that uh, is very impressive. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, I think, I mean, what she would do, I would presume, is like she goes and hires a GM and 
um, yeah. and then oversees like the integration of systems, which is a very Josh Harrisy type of terminology <laughs> of like, okay, we have this analytics department, we have player performance, you know, like the strength and conditioning, we have scouting, like my job is to make that all work together uh, and make sure that everyone's got taking the resources available to them and maximizing, which is the way good organizations are run. Middle management is actually important, Michael. It's often very annoying, but, but I think the best companies have it. And like that would, I mean, she'd be on the higher end of middle management, but um, that would, that would kind of be her job. You know, as we talk about structure, right, that's a structure where, where, you know, right now, Ron is in charge of the personnel side of the building. This would be a personnel person in charge of the personnel side of the building and, and probably having a little more say than the coach in terms of the way the building is run and, and the way players are brought in. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think some of the most successful NFL franchises uh, have been run that way over the past, uh, you know, over the past decade to two decades. So uh, I think there's a ton of merit to really beefing up on that side of the football um, the coach-centric model behind Ron Rivera was always a bit of a Hail Mary, and uh, I think we've seen where that's led us. Yeah, who, I'm trying to think back to that opening press conference. Who did Dan cite? It was Bel- Belichick. Was it Tomlin? That, like, who, else, who else was he like, this is why we need to go coach-centric? Did he name Andy Reid, even though that's not true? Right. I was feel it? like, yes, that was the other name, but like Tomlin, same thing. Like Tomlin's incredible. Tomlin's in charge of a lot of stuff. Tomlin has a heavy influence and he should because he's now clinched, uh, 16 straight eight win seasons, which is nuts. Um, yep. but he's not in charge. Like they have a GM. <laughs> right. So, I mean, like, I, I think the best coaches understand we're going to have a GM because that's good for me, even if they have that kind of authority, right? It's, it's, it's good to defer it. Um, it just felt like from the get-go, this was like Ron's here and he's going to have final say because that's good for a coach to be all-powerful. Like it, it feels like the most powerful coaches know they can't extend themselves that then. Right. And, well, and then the other thing too is like what – if you're hiring people where the power structure is important, you're hiring the wrong people. Right. Mm. If you want to hire, yeah, that's, that was a bar. Write that down in the Washington Times. Mm. Um, if you want to, if you want to have a really good front office coaching staff, football operation, a- operation of any kind, you want to hire people that work together where the, the power structure is important for dictating roles and everybody does their job and then everybody feels like they've got their part of the thing. And that is how you build a successful organization. If it is, Hey, if we get in a fight, who gets to win, you've already lost. What, what was the uh, Bruce Allen phrase? It's a Redskins decision. Uh, <laughs> every time it's, no, no, it doesn't matter who's the final say. It's a Redskins decision, which was a very polite le- way of saying it's my decision. Right. Well, that was the problem is, is that meant it was Bruce's decision <laughs> and he just didn't want to say it. But like when they make a decision in San Francisco, I tend to think it actually is a 49ers decision. Uh, right. Yeah. So the best the best organizations, you know, there's enough credit to go around and, and the rest of it takes care of itself. And I, I think that I think they have the potential to build that here. I also think it's fascinating to build this group um, and then throw them into what will be the most important offseason of the decade. This one with the salary cap space, with the draft picks and all that right out of the gate. Right. So there, there's no ramp up period. They are coming in 
to, to crush it right away, their first spring, their first free agency, their first draft. Um, that, to me, really raises the stakes here. I'd, I'd feel more comfortable if, if you know, and, and I know this wasn't going to be possible, but if Harris had somehow been able to buy the team last March and stall everybody right. then, and they would have had a year together in the building going into this very important offseason, um, I'm not – I'm not saying it's not going to work because I'm a generally optimistic person. I'm just saying like, Ooh, that is a lot to jump into. Yeah. And I think it's important for people to know, like you don't typically come in even as a new general manager and like fire the scouts because you, they've been working all year. And if you yep. do, then you got to go find other ones and like the other teams are not going to let go of their good scouts in the middle of the most important time of the year. So you're kind of like, obviously if you're a general manager, especially one with a scouting background, you've been doing some of your own evaluations. You'll watch plenty of tape. You'll grind it out yourself and you'll have strong opinions. And like the best evaluators, Adam Peters has had a very good track record of being able to suss out who's good and who's not and, and hitting on Fred Warner and Hufunga and uh, name all of these just ridiculously good football players that uh, they employ out there in San Francisco. But like whoever comes in is going to be, looking at the same scouts who have drafted the last Ron Rivera era of players. But I think it's also important to point out, and Michael, you can probably detail this as someone who's been on the beat even longer than I was like that. The scouting isn't always the problem when you take players that you shouldn't, or you overdraft someone because you essentially give them a report. You're like, Hey, this is who this guy is. This is strengths or weaknesses. <laughs> Excuse me. And then the uh, decision maker makes the, final call with that information and uh, that final decision maker is pretty important even if the scouts don't change yeah right and so when you're talking about a first year operation who's who gets the final say is super important because everybody's still feeling out the situation right it's it's a little harder to be collaborative when you're also building the seeds of that relationship and what that relationship's going to become and and you know what it will be down the line so that's a hugely important call especially given the draft pick they're going to be sitting on. I mean, I, I don't envy that. I really don't. Like, it's an attractive job. Uh, it's a super cool job for somebody to come into. It's also a ton of pressure to hit right away. Um, and to steer this back to Ron a little bit, like, I remember when he drafted Jamin Davis, um, I, I'm sure I said on your show, I've, I've said it many places, I, I think this will work out because I trust Ron to evaluate linebackers. Like, that's his career is – being a linebacker and being around great linebackers. So if he says this guy's worth the 18th pick overall or whatever it was, I'm on board with that. I, I believe he is. Um, I, I would just like to come clean. I was wrong. Um, <laughs> it, it, it was a bad evaluation. Um, so sometimes you can drink your own uh, Kool-Aid a little bit too. No, that's, that's 100% true. And, you know, then again, if Ron had been coaching the linebackers for four years, how different does Jamin's career look compared to Jack coaching them where linebackers looked confused till the moment he was gone? Like, Couldn't have been worse. Yeah, um, so there's, there's a lot to it there. And it shows the evaluation meeting, the coaching meeting, the other players around, like do you have supplementary skill sets, all that kind of stuff. And you're right, it's, it's a really tough job, not just because of the pressure, but because – uh, to, to echo something you said earlier in the interview, like we don't know who's good on this team. And that is a real problem in terms of evaluation moving forward. But then again, 
We might not. The scouts might, uh, and that's why they're <laughs> scouts and we're radio guys. Uh, Michael Phillips, host, MP on the mic, 10 a.m. to noon. Weekdays on 910 The Fan in Richmond, which you can listen to anytime, anywhere on the free Odyssey app. You can also read them in the Washington Times. Uh, Michael, thank you as always. We'll do this again uh, next week as long as we're not in the middle of the, uh, the darkest part of Black Monday. One more time, baby. Let's go. And, and if we are, then we'll talk on Tuesday. Okay, that's fine. All right. Uh, Michael <laughs> Phillips, later, everybody. Craig. Thank you. See you. Happy New Year. All right. That is Michael Phillips with us on the Hoffman Show. When we get back, how did one Anthony Haney close out 2023 with his NFL picks? How did, how did I do mine? I actually don't know that I did great. Um, so, Craig. Yeah? I got every game correct. Did you? No. I didn't think so. How many did he get correct? Possibly. We'll tell you next. We'll go around the NFL. Wild, wild weekend. Plenty to talk about beyond uh, if Anthony and I pick the right side. Next, Stoffman Show on the Team 980 and always live on the free Odyssey app.